Coming up, we are joined by former Washington NFL head coach Jay Gruden on Everything Commanders. And as we get set for the 2022 NFL season, what's he thinking? What's the best division in the NFL in his eyes? That's all coming up next right here on the Locked On Commanders podcast. Locked On Commanders, your daily podcast on the Washington Commanders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, good to have you with us right here on the Locked On Commanders podcast. I'm Chris Russell. My partner, David Harrison, is on special assignment with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers down in Tampa, where I'm sure it's nice and cool. Uh, thank you for joining us on the Locked On Commanders podcast, your team each and every day. We appreciate you making us your first listen and or watch of the day on YouTube. And, of course, we invite you to check out our friends at WUSA9 and the WUSA9 Plus app where you can watch Locked On Commanders. Uh, your CBS affiliate in the Washington, D.C. area has a new streaming app that is a game changer for local news and sports in the DMV. Download it now on the WUSA9 Plus app from your Roku or Amazon Fire TV stick. Again, we appreciate you being with us. And right now we have the special pleasure of being joined by Jay Gruden. Um, Jay, thanks for doing this. How are you? I'm doing good, thanks. I, I, you know, this is two days in a row that we've seen each other. Are you getting sick of me yet or, or, or no? Never, Chris, never. You're such a pleasure to be around. <laughs> see, if, if I thought there was one ounce of sincerity, see, I can see it. I can see it in your. <laughs> I did enjoy lunch yesterday. That was nice of you to buy. I mean, listen, you've done a lot of nice things for me. It's the least I can do. I appreciate it. Uh, and um, and it's good to have you, and obviously good to see you. Um, so, I, you know, I have a bunch of things I obviously want to ask you. I know you're not in the building anymore. You were here for, what, five and a half years, if memory serves, um, you know, during a, a tumultuous time in the organization. It's still somewhat tumultuous. Uh, they fired a defensive line coach today, Sam Mills, third, that wasn't on your uh, coaching staff that was brought here by Ron. Um, I know you don't know the details, and I'm not asking for the details. I don't know if nobody uh, really clearly knows what happens. But the process of firing an assistant coach, how difficult is that? How um is that always the head coach's decision, Jay, or do you have to kind of play political football if, I don't know, an inpatient owner or general manager wants some blood on somebody's hands but maybe doesn't want it to necessarily come from your hands? Yeah, you're right. It, it happens both ways. Uh, unfortunately, it happened both ways with us. Uh, but you never want to fire anybody. You know, these guys work extremely hard, a lot of hours. And usually when you hire them, you go through a process where you interview them. You're around them for a long period of time. Uh, there's got to be a reason for it. Uh, either he bumped heads with the defensive coordinator, the head coach, or something happened uh, with the players. Uh, who knows? Uh, but you never want to fire a guy, let alone fire a guy this time of the year. Yeah, we're going to get more, uh, obviously, detailed into what Ron Rivera said about Sam Mills the third after uh, we're done speaking with Jay later on in the program. So we'll have more details on that. But, uh, Jay, the relationship, like you said, between the coaches in the building, you know, is it tough? I mean, you guys are there 100 hours a week or whatever it is. Um, you know, you, you guys need to have, like, some sort of harmony. 
How difficult is it to make sure that everybody's on the same page, both from a football perspective and also from a personality perspective? Well, that's kind of the job that I had when I hired them to try to make sure that the personalities wouldn't mesh. And unfortunately, that doesn't always work. Some coaches have a higher agenda. Some coaches are always looking for the next job. Uh, some coaches are always uh, griping behind the scenes. Sometimes assistant coaches are harder to deal with than the players. Uh, but you try to do your due diligence. You try to get the right guys in here, guys that are going to be very loyal, uh, number one. Uh, you don't want guys uh, stabbing a coach in the back or talking about the coordinator behind their back. I would have done this. I told them not to do that. Uh, we should have drafted that guy, whatever. Uh, you want them all on the same page, very loyal, work extremely hard. Unfortunately, it's hard nowadays to find those type of guys. They're out yeah. there, but you just gotta you got to really dig down deep and find them. Absolutely. The, the timing uh, also is kind of strange here, right? Because most coaches get fired uh, either at the end of a season or, you know, and of course it does happen during the middle of the season. And obviously that happened to you here uh, after five weeks in 2019. Um, but most coaches, you know, uh, generally tend to get fired again, either during the season after you know, performance-related issues, or after a season. This is two weeks into training camp. How disruptive can that be to a group? Now, the guy that's replacing Sam Mills III, Jeff Scanina, longtime NFL defensive lineman, he's been here. So it's, I don't know if it's that huge of a thing, but, but again, to do it two weeks into training camp is at least odd timing. Yeah, it is. You know, I mentioned this earlier that you want cohesion, not controversy, and that's yeah. kind of what happened here today. Um, however, sometimes you need to have a little bit of controversy to cre create more cohesion. Maybe uh, this was better for everybody uh, that is involved. Maybe it's better for the defensive coordinator, the defensive line, and obviously better for Coach Rivera. So uh, hopefully that's the case for the commanders. Uh, but you never want it to happen now to anybody. I'm sure Coach Mills is a great guy, and I know Jeff is a good football coach, but uh, it is just very odd timing. Jay Gruden, former Washington NFL head coach, also was the offensive coordinator for the Jacksonville Jaguars in 2020. Cincinnati Bengals before coming here uh, to the nation's capital. Nice enough to join us here on the Locked On Commanders uh, podcast. Um, Jay, when, when you looked at the acquisition of Carson Wentz, and I, I, I think we've talked on, on the air since then, um, you, you knew him uh, at, at both his prime in Philadelphia and then maybe even after when some of the injury struggles and whatnot had kind of kicked in and maybe some of that robbed Carson uh, to some degree. When you see Carson now as a quarterback guru that you are and somebody who played the position, coached the position, and won with the position, what do you see? Well, I know one thing. I know Carson's ultra-talented. There's no doubt about it. What he did at Philadelphia as a young football player, what he did to us, uh, the plays that he made outside the pocket, within the pocket, uh, accuracy that he had, the arm strength that he had, he had all the tools and all the makings to be an exceptional quarterback. Now, injuries happen, and then how you react to those injuries, how you play when you've had those injuries, sometimes quarterbacks change for the worse. Sometimes they change for the better. Unfortunately for Carson, he has not – really lived up to the hype that he had as a rookie. And there's some other factors involved. You know, there really are. There, you know, uh, I think some of the players he had his last year at Philadelphia, they weren't quite as uh, dynamic as they were his first year. And obviously at Indianapolis, they didn't really have a tight end presence. They, they didn't have the weapons that you really need other than Jonathan Taylor was obviously awesome on the outside. So uh, hopefully with Washington, a new system, uh, very good skilled players around him, a good running game uh, with Antonio. Um, It'll make him a better player. 
When you had Alex Smith and you guys brought him in to replace Kirk Cousins, if memory serves me, I think you guys played him the first preseason game for a smidge and then not the next preseason game, and that was back when we had four, if I'm remembering that correctly. What was, uh, if you can remember, with, again, a new quarterback, not a young quarterback, what was kind of the genesis in your mind, the thought in your mind of how much work a guy needs, uh, whether playing in the preseason is important? Because, you know, we see all sorts of different thought processes, quite honestly, right now in the NFL. And Ron Rivera said last Saturday night that he is indeed going to play Wentz this Saturday against Carolina, but we don't know for how long. So what was kind of like some of the thought process that would go through your mind about a veteran quarterback, if you will, in the preseason? Well, Alex was definitely a veteran. You know, he did a great job in practice uh, with the terminology, calling plays in the huddle, getting the tempo the way we wanted it. We just wanted to get a feel for uh, the players around him and the players around him getting a feel for Alex, breaking the huddle, calling the plays, how he calls the plays. The tempo is the big thing that I wanted to see. I wanted to see the plays in and out of the huddle. I want to see him run to the line. Uh, Whatever happened on the play happened, but I just want to see good, crisp tempo and then get him out of the game because he's a veteran guy. He's been there, done that. You don't want him to take any unnecessary shots because you know what happens when he goes down. Uh, you know, the, the, the season isn't going to go very well. Right. Uh, so, fortunately, that happened. We protected him. Unfortunately, he got hurt like week 10. But, uh, you know, every coach has their own ideas about preseason. I know Sean McVay is not going to play Stafford. He's not going to play. Mm-hmm. He didn't play golf. I mean, certain coaches aren't going to play their stars. Aaron Donald won't play out there. Uh, certain coaches want him in there, get him banged around a little bit, uh, get a feel for the game come out of halftime maybe, uh, but I prefer to have my stars healthy week one and not worry about an ankle injury, a hamstring, a hurt shoulder, whatever it might be, and then I really wanted my core backups to get a lot of work and obviously the young guys to compete for jobs. Special teams was critical, uh, how they hit, how they ran around in the field, how they uh, handled the lights, the live game tempo. Uh, was the most important thing because those last 10 to 15 spots are important and the practice squad guys are very important. Sure. I want to follow up on that. If you don't mind, Jay, when we come back, got to take a quick break. And I I wanted to ask you a specific question uh, about quarterbacks and contact and all of that, because I think that puts us in a good spot. Plus we'll spin around the NFL and see what Jay thinks is the best division because a couple of possible answers there. Uh, Former Washington NFL head coach Jay Gruden is our special guest. Also was with Cincinnati before very successful offense with Andy Dalton uh, for three seasons before becoming Washington's NFL head coach. And then, of course, with the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, for one year after that. Jay with us for another segment right here on the Locked On Commanders podcast. Uh, And we are here for our friends at Bet Online. That's right. Bet Online is the place you guys want to go to get the fastest and easiest amount of information on all of your favorite sports and events. And they are your number one online source for odds, lines, and games, line reviews and news of every league, including the NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, Combat Sports, Esports, and even golf. Bet Online. Online gives you the top online resource for all your sports wagering information, including live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts. Head to Bet Online today. Use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today at Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, back with our pal Jay Gruden, nice enough to join us. So, Jay, leaving off on what you just said before uh, we stepped aside for a second there. 
Um, I, I totally get how you're trying to preserve your guys from taking unnecessary risks in contact. We know that quarterbacks wear different colored jerseys and whatnot during practices, uh, during training camp, during OTAs, during the season, all that. You can't touch a quarterback. How do you get a quarterback ready for the contact that he probably will take on, hits, sacks, what have you, um, when they can't be touched in those in practice sessions? How do you do that as a head coach, as a quarterback guru? Because I would think the game certainly changes, if not physically, mentally for a quarterback when they know that, you know, quite honestly, they can be hit and they can be touched versus the opposite. Well, that is the tough toughest part to judge a quarterback or evaluate a quarterback is how does he handle those hits, but you're never going to give many unnecessary hits in practice. You know, our job as coaches to protect our quarterback and get after theirs. That's the number one job of a football coach in the NFL, protect your quarterback and get after their quarterback. Uh, so how the quarterback handles that, how he escapes it, what he does when he does escape, does he protect the ball? Does he panic? Does he dip down and not see and take sacks? Uh, those are all things that unfortunately you can't tell. But if you sign a veteran quarterback who's played a lot of football, they should have a pretty good idea what Carson can do uh, when pressure's on. What, we had a great idea what Alex could do. He was very nibble in the pocket. Uh, was very, uh, he was actually probably better outside the pocket than he was within the pocket. Yep. Uh, so we understood that. Uh, if it's a young quarterback coming in out of college for the first year or second year, that's what you didn't know. Andy Dalton, no idea how he's going to handle the pressure in the NFL. So we mm. played him a little bit more in the preseason. I remember him taking a couple violent shots against the Lions couple against the Jets, and then coming back and throwing a nice audible into a max protection and throwing a touchdown, uh, which told me that, hey, we have an opportunity here. We have a chance to be pretty good with Andy Dalton as our quarterback because he does handle that type of physical contact. Interesting. Jay Gruden with us. Um, all right, so Terry McLaurin is a guy you drafted. Um, what was that, 20 – you see, 2018, I think it was, or, or maybe it was actually 2019. I guess it was 2019. Right, yeah, 2019. So you were only with him for a couple of games, but you were very much instrumental in drafting him in the third round. I remember Jay and talking to scouts, analysts, people behind the scenes, oh, the best special teams player in the draft, but the kid's not a great wide receiver. And what do I know? I watched some tape, whatever. I said, well, I think he's a better receiver. When you were going through that evaluation, did you look at Terry – as anything more than, for lack of a better term, maybe a pedestrian or contributor at wide receiver? Or did you know all along this kid could be a stud in, in that way? Well, Ohio State, they had some pretty good players. They had an excellent running back. <laughs> you know, they had Paris Campbell, who was really good. Uh, they had a couple other receivers who were awesome. Uh, so he was probably not targeted as much as he would have been as if he would have been the number one guy. It really wasn't until the Senior Bowl that he really stood out to me uh, that he could be that number one receiver. He was dominant in the Senior Bowl, one-on-ones, team drills. Uh, you knew what type of guy he was because he was a special team guy. Uh, he was a captain, a two-year captain Ohio State. He was tough. He was physical. He cared. And, and most importantly, he was smart. You could put him anywhere. He learned the offense quicker than any receiver I've ever had. Hmm. Um, and you could tell that right away, right? Uh, when you got, when you finally got him in your building, you could tell all, all of those things translated to the NFL level, right? Yeah, for sure. The only question we had were his, he had some unnatural ways of catching the ball, but he always caught it. You know, he, his hands were kind of like in the wrong place from time to time. Mm -hmm. Sometimes he'd be a body catcher, which he didn't really need to be, but he got the ball, he protected it, he secured it and made the catch. He had very few drops, uh, from training camp until the regular season. Uh, but most importantly, he's a guy that you want on your team because he, 
the way he practices, the way he prepares, rubs off on the young guys coming up. Uh, it's very important to have those type of guys in your locker room for the culture that you want to build. You mentioned getting to the quarterback as part of one of your earlier answers uh, when we were talking about, you know, protecting quarterbacks and so on and so forth. And clearly, uh, every good defense, like you said, is kind of based off of the pass rush. You, again, had a heavy, heavy hand in drafting Jonathan Allen, uh, Deron Payne. Uh, and, of course, you guys made the trade for Montez Sweat to get him after some things went awry in, uh, in, in, 20, uh, in, in 2019. Um, why are, are you surprised that maybe those guys have had some success but not as much success as maybe uh, a lot of us in the media and fans thought? Or do you think that they're still just – because they're still so young and so young as a group and when you factor in Chase's injury – uh, that they still have a lot of room to grow and that they're doing okay. Yeah, it was a new system for them last year, and I do think that uh, uh, they'll get better and better. I think Jonathan still had a pretty good year. I think he had almost close to 10 sacks. That's pretty good for defense alignment interior. I'd like to see more from Payne. I'd like to see him get more pressure. Uh, I think that a lot of people uh, think that he's just a run stopper. I think, you know, when he was at Alabama, you know, the way he dominated the game against Georgia in the, in the playoff yeah. game, I mean, it was, it was unbelievable. And I think he's got a huge upside, not only stopping the run, uh, but also rushing the passer. And then obviously you got to get more from Sweat, and then Chase Young's injury did have a lot to do with uh, maybe their struggles down the line. But that's a pretty good front four, and uh, there's not many excuses they can make if they don't have a very good defense this year. I'm totally with you there on pain, and that's, I guess, where I've been sort of let down, and, and I'm glad you brought it up because I, too, thought he was a better pass rusher than he was being given credit for. So you guys go out and draft him, okay, whatever it was, 13 overall. Um, but when I see him, Jay, you tell me, and, and maybe this is just a lot of defensive tackles, it seems a little hot and cold, like the motor runs on. When he's on, he's dominant, and he can tear people apart, but it's not always there. Is that fair or is that unfair? Well, I think when I was there anyway, we had a different type of scheme with Jim Thompson and, and uh, you know, right. Coach Minuski. He was more asked to take on the double teams and make sure that the lineman didn't get up to the backer. He was a pass rusher second, a run player first, which takes a lot of the steam out of a guy. Aaron Donald, he can do both effortlessly. You know, obviously he doesn't have the same skills as Aaron Donald, but I'm saying that he's more of a gap penetrator. He can go inside A gap, B gap, C gap. Uh, he can rush the passer. He can still stop the run. Uh, but when you're asked to play at the line of scrimmage and play more laterally as opposed to more vertically, uh, you're not going to make the plays around the quarterback as I think he could do. And that's part of the, you know, the, the discussions we had when I was there with Coach Minuski and Tom Sula. I wanted more of a, a gap, you know, penetrating team. And uh, unfortunately, we didn't get that done. Uh, before we run out of time, best division in the NFL in your mind on August 10th or whatever date uh, people are watching this is what? Uh, you got to go to the West, both Wests. Both Wests. West, AFC West. Uh, they got good quarterback play. They got uh, uh, good solid players all around the board. I'd probably say AFC West one. And I, I wouldn't discount the AFC North. You know, the AFC North is always hard. I know Cleveland's going to be without Deshaun for six games, but their defense is going to be pretty darn good. Right. I mean, really good. And they have an excellent running game and a good offensive line. Uh, Pittsburgh, I know they're going to people down. It's Mitch Trubisky, but they're going to play some good defense. It's going to be a mm -hmm. physical division. Baltimore's got their guys back, and, of course, you got Cincinnati. So I think that's probably the division that people aren't expecting to be like it used to be, but I think it could be. Uh, one last one, and I'll, <laughs> I say this, I guess, probably too late, but, um, you know, you've been – 
you ha- you haven't been with the organization for now two and a half years, right? You saw some crazy, crazy stuff. I know you dealt with, you know, a lot of things that most normal NFL head coaches don't have to deal with. When you see how the organization has changed with all the name stuff, and we don't necessarily have to go there, all the brand identity, all cleaning up, new president, uh, you know, you know, uh, Dan, all of the the political stuff, and and you worked for him for five plus years. Um, Jack Del Rio saying what he said earlier this thought like does it almost seem like things will never change inside that building or do you have reason to believe and and some sort of level of confidence that you know everybody can change and they can get going in the right direction well winning will cure a lot of that if you don't win there's always going to be issues you look around the league and teams I was at Jacksonville there's issues all over the place and in Cincinnati, when I first got the job there, there were issues all over the place. They wanted the owner. They wanted everybody out of there. Uh, and, and every time there's something negative happens, it becomes huge news. When anything positive happens, it gets swept on the rug. You know, so uh, winning will cure it all. When you lose, it doesn't matter. It's going to be culture-related. It's going to be coach. It's going to be owner. It's going to be GM. It's going to be quarterback. That's just the way it is in pro football. That's what we signed up to do. Do you have to win sexy? Meaning scoring a lot of points and exciting no. the fans because you got to win. You got to win. You got to win in the playoffs. You got to get the okay. fan base excited. Winning games, whether it's ten to seven or forty-eight to forty-one or thirty-eight to nothing, it doesn't matter. The most important thing is to get in the tournament, uh, make some big-time runs in the tournament, and try to get yourself uh, a ring. That's what. That's the only thing you can do as a coach. And if you don't accomplish that, if you don't accomplish getting into the playoffs, then you're probably going to be looking for a job in another year or two. Well. Uh, I hope you get your opportunity, which you're very uh, much deserving of, uh, you know, both you and, and you, you know, like we, we talked off on the side, like you mentioned, we had lunch, uh, you know, so I'm hoping the best for you, your family, your brother, uh, and everything in between. So um, I appreciate you sharing some time with us and, and, and giving your insights, and hopefully uh, we can catch up real soon. Okay, Jay? All right. Thanks, Chris. There you go. That's Jay Gruden, longtime NFL head coach, offensive coordinator with us right here on the Locked On Commanders uh, podcast. We appreciate him. Coming up next, a little more detail on Sam Mills III being let go by the Washington Commanders. And what's Chase Young up to this Sunday as we wrap up shop here on the Locked On Commanders podcast. All right, guys, we are back with you on LOC. Good to have you with us. Again, my partner, David Harrison, is out on this particular episode. He'll return with a solo episode uh, on special assignment uh, to uh, fill you guys up of the uh, uh, on the next episode, I should say. And then I will be back with one more uh, final episode before we get to the Carolina uh, preseason game, of course, on Saturday afternoon. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network your team each and every day. All right, so Sam Mills, again, was let go by Ron Rivera on Tuesday. And some people say, no big deal, nothing to see here. It's just a defensive line coach. They probably didn't even know who it was. Um, at the very minimum, it is curious timing. Um, you know, Sam's father, late uh, Sam Mills, was inducted into the Hall of Fame on Saturday in Canton, Ohio. Sam Mills III was there. Uh, I guess he returned, from what I was told, to the building on Sunday. And there was practice on Monday. And then Sam was informed this morning, uh, meaning Tuesday, as we're recording this, 
that uh, he was that they were going to make a change. Ron Rivera said it had nothing to do with anything in the past, that it only had anything to do with a couple of weeks of training camp uh, and OTAs. So for that reason, I guess he's saying that's why he didn't fire him in late January, uh, early February after you make all your evaluations. So something in Ron's mind had to go wrong between then and now, because otherwise they would have fired him at the end of last January or early February when most coaches, as we just talked about with Jay, are fired. So it is curious timing at the very minimum. Uh, I, from what I've heard, Jeff Scanina is a really hard worker, and they've brought in Ryan Kerrigan to help a little bit, uh, and they've also brought in uh, Warren Sapp at times. And that was one thing, actually, I didn't get to talk with Jay about was Ryan Kerrigan uh, in terms of, like, the next phase in his career. And, you know, Jay obviously coached him uh, for a number of years. But everybody thinks Ryan knows the game. The question is, is does he want to be a full-time head coach? And does he have the personality to be barking at people when they screw up and mess up and what have you? I mean, it's a difficult, difficult balance to try and strike, as we did and as Jay talked about, you know, with us, trying to find guys that are completely on board and guys that don't rub people quite honestly, the wrong way. So I don't know what's going to come out of this other than Zganina is going to be the full-time defensive line head coach. He's been the assistant defensive line coach, so he knows the players. He knows the scheme. He knows that. So it shouldn't be that big of a transition here. So that saves the commanders, uh, if you will. I think I heard that Brett Wieselmeyer, who's kind of been bumping around all over the defense, is going to help him, meaning Sam, um, uh, meaning um, Jeff Scanina uh, at the position. Again, you have Kerrigan, who's been with the team during training camp. Don't know if Kerrigan is going to be with the team uh, during the season. Probably not, but we don't know yet. Um, again, we've mentioned Warren Sapp. David and I have talked about that. So uh, it's just weird, curious, interesting timing. Um, again, to fire a coach two weeks into camp, they get fired a couple of weeks into the season after a disappointing start or, or towards the end of a season after a disappointing season. It is very, very, very unusual. I haven't been able to find a case yet of a coach that actually got fired two weeks into training camp or somewhere around that. Uh, so, again, as usual, things are a little bit funky here in Washington. All right. Um, Chase Young. Of the commanders, of course, can't practice, can't play uh, on Saturday, still on the physically unable to perform list. But that won't stop him from driving a pace car this Sunday at Richmond International Raceway. One of my favorite places on earth to go to. I wish I had more time uh, to go short track racing Sunday afternoon, three o'clock Eastern time. Chase Young is going to be the honorary pace car driver for the Federated 400 down at RIR. So, again, while he can't practice and he can't play, he can drive a car and he can lead the field around as they go green, green, green. So, cool thing for Chase Young. I'm sure we'll see some really cool videos uh, out of that, but I hope, obviously, he stays safe. Number one, shouldn't be too much of a problem. Uh, he can drive a car, obviously, uh, but he'll be okay uh, and hopefully get him off that track before anything else happens. And one last note uh, before we leave you, uh, Washington did sign a new wide receiver. His name is Matt Cole. Uh, he's a 2020, uh, 2020, I should say, undrafted free agent from Division II McKendry, uh, who has already bounced around to six teams. He's only played in two career uh, NFL games, three special special teams tackles, uh, and, uh, well, it just adds to the coal pile. Holcomb, Turner on the commanders, as uh, I think Nikki Jabala uh, pointed out. I didn't think about that. My buddy Teresh 
who helps us out here at Tegna, uh, which is our parent company, uh, pointed at this out on Twitter. Uh, I thought it was a cool note. Uh, Kenny Ray Augustus helped recruit and coach Cole in college, again, at McKendry. Uh, and Augustus was a two-time Bill Walsh coaching minority fellow uh, in San Diego and in Carolina. And both times, Ron Rivera were on those staffs. So interesting how that works. Good note. Good little nugget there from Teresh, uh, who is one of our great pals uh, with our parent company, Tegna. All right. We want to thank you guys again for making the Locked On Commanders podcast your first listen and your first view of the day. Thanks to Jay Gruden for joining us. He'll come back at some point uh, here. We're hoping to hook up with Ryan Kerrigan, but today's news kind of threw that into a little bit of a monkey wrench. Uh, But please come back for the next episode. Uh, David will have a special guest uh, as, again, he continues on special assignment. Now make the Locked on Fantasy Football uh, podcast your second listen and your uh, second watch, (laughs) excuse me, uh, of the day. Find the intellectual fantasy expert, Vinny Iyer, who brings expertise and a unique angle to give you the moves that no one else has get ready for your fantasy draft with locked on fantasy football if you want to hop in it's 301-615-3577 on the voicemail 301-615-3577 or locked on washington commanders at gmail.com that's going to do it for us today commanders fans again thanks again for joining us thanks again to jay gruden we're free and available on all platforms uh, here on the Logcom Podcast Network, your team each and every day. For David Harrison, covering the commanders for SI.com's Fan Nation, I'm Chris Russell, one half of the Russell and Medhurst Show on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. We'll be back right here on the Locked On Commanders Podcast.